Today's sponsor is NetSuite. Since the beginning, NetSuite's focus has always been around enabling businesses to reach their goals by supporting the entire operation. NetSuite manages all of the key business processes across finance, accounting, commerce, inventory, and more in a single system available at your fingertips in real time. Now on to today's episode. Barney's doesn't guarantee success. Vogue doesn't guarantee success. What guarantees success is if you actually find an audience that actually loves your product. We've been very slow to change in terms of how technology has impacted our lives. A new social network can pop up overnight and completely change our business model. Hello and welcome to the Glossy Podcast, our weekly show where we discuss fashion, luxury, and technology with the people making change happen. I'm your host and Glossy Managing Editor, Hilary Milnes. Today's guest is Katie Storino, a fashion blogger, Instagram influencer, and founder of her personal care brand, Megabate. In this episode, Katie chats about how she broke into blogging, how brands can get the most out of their influencer marketing budgets, and the biggest mistakes both influencers and brands can make when working together. Enjoy the show. Thanks for coming in, Katie. Oh, thank you for having yeah, me. Of course. So tell us about 12-ish style before we get into Mega Babe, which is which is pretty new. That's your brand that launched relatively recently. Before yeah. that, you um, are a blogger and influencer. Yes. Uh, so when did you start the blog? How how early into the game were you? Uh, what, 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 what's it been like? So I was not that early into the blogging game. Um, I would say I was pretty late. <laughs> <laughs> but what I was early to was being a plus-size blogger. Uh, I... I I remember it was 2015 and the man repeller did an article about me about um, like how to dress curvy bodies. And then I remember reading all the comments of women being like, Oh my God, I've never seen my body on a blog before. And then I realized that I had also never seen my body on a blog before, um, which sounded crazy at the time. And um, this is pre Ashley Graham. This is pre everything. So um the conversation hadn't really started yet. And I was like, you know what? People need me. They need my tips and tricks. So it started really as a shopping platform. And then really quickly, it evolved into a place where um, women of all sizes could come and find confidence and um, a bit of body positivity and kind of self-acceptance. That's that's really the name of my game. Right. So so you started speaking to this audience that that just needed representation right. in the blogging world. Um and but how did you how did you build that audience? Like you know was it was it Instagram? It's really hard. Yeah, like right. I you know right now you have what 205 not yeah. that I'm counting. Yeah, 205,000 yeah. followers. Yeah. But that's obviously been over a few years, but it was like at the very beginning. What did you find most um, useful for building an audience? Uh, building an audience, I'll just say again, is extremely hard. And I, I found that through um, my dog's Instagram, which is what really started me into the world of the internet. Uh, my dog Toast from Toast, Toast Meets World and then Muppet, Muppet's Revenge and um, Pants from Underpants the Dog. Um, we really, I started that platform like to post cute pictures of my dog because she was so cute. And then I am an aggressive stage mom. So I got very competitive and I was like, she's going to be famous. And then my friends and family were like, uh, you've lost it. Um, and I, but I really believed that I had something special with toast. And so we, we ended up becoming this amazing platform for, um, rescue advocacy and, uh, adoption awareness and basically teaching people why you shouldn't buy a dog from a pet store or online. 
So that was awesome. But back to growing a following, um, it's really hard. And I think the way that you used to be able to do it was having someone with a bigger following repost you, but there's no guarantee of followers from anything anymore. There's no formula. There's no formula. There's really, truly no formula. Well, what's changed, do you think? I, I'll say the al- algorithm because that's the only thing that everyone likes to blame. But um, I have no idea. I think people are just a little bit uh, less curious and more immune to seeing things pop up on their feed. And they're like, ugh, who cares? Like, I, it really takes a lot for someone to go to someone else's, to a, a page and be like, who's this? What's this about? It takes a lot for that to happen now. And so as it's been evolving over the years, when did you realize it was, okay, like this is almost, this is like a business. I can make, make money as, as this blogger and, and someone with a following and I should focus my energy into that and, and then see where that can take me. Yeah. I, I think this is one of the, my favorite stories to tell, um, friends at least that when I was, I was like, I'm going to start a blog. But again, I started late in the game. So I was like, is this, will this even, is, is the market too saturated? Does anyone need a blogger? Even though there was really only a handful in the space. Um, I asked someone in the influencer uh, arena, who, who a big manager in the influencer space. And I said, should I do this? And she was like, you can do it for fun, but don't expect to get a paycheck for a year. And I was like, okay, I'll do it. (laughs) Okay, fine. Um, And I did it. And my first paycheck came from her company. Wow. Wow. Which I'm sure she never knew about. It was through another side and everything. But I thought that that was ironic and funny and just a great reason not to listen to someone who's saying no for no reason. Right. And and so, and it wasn't a year later. No, it was like two months later. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, well, when did, when did you start making money from it then? How? Yeah. So, so how did, how I did it? Well, you have to, you have to post every day and you have to have content that people are drawn to and you really have to let people know what you're doing. And so you have to promote yourself and you can't just post things into, into the internet space with no one watching them because you're going to get really burned out really fast. You need to see a little bit of traction. So um, contacting people, asking for help, saying like, I, Hey, like I know you through this person. I'm starting this, um, love to feature you or love to feature your clothes or even brands that you shop and spend money on. Because in the beginning you, you are responsible for all clothing, all makeup. Like it's just your regular life. You're just putting it out there. Um, you tell those brands, like I'm a big fan and I've been shopping you for years and this is like, I love you. And this is my new blog. Just let them know. Right. And then you'll be on the radar. You're on their radar. So you might have 2000 followers today, but then when you have 10,000 followers, they know you already and you can say, Hey, I'm I'm back and I want to shoot this. Would you send it to me? Could I borrow it? Right. And it's a process and you, you brands love starting relationships with people that are organic like that. And rather than someone just coming for a paycheck, they want to know that you've actually shopped with them before. So brands want that as well. I feel like yeah. we usually hear from the influencer side, like, oh, I have to make sure that I'm fielding the brands that I, I actually I use brands, and that's important. I mean, if you if brands, if you're not doing that, you should be because it's it's really weird when someone just shows up suddenly talking about a product every day and being like, I I just got introduced to it and I love it. It's so much more um it resonates so much more. Also, the influencer is more likely to post about it 
over and over again if they do use it and they're getting paid for it and they're just like they're not just counting the requirements for that partnership they're like guess what still using my face cream still love it right like yeah yeah it's just gonna appear yeah um so and so when when you did start working with brands how did you sort of say i'm going to introduce this the right way i think you know you're you're getting it it had to be something that you cared about already and that you used but how did you introduce it in a way that, you know, you didn't want to turn your followers off or say like everything, you know, how do you set boundaries for yourself basically when you're, when you're working with brands? I think a big way to, to, I think my most successful partnerships involve problem solving. So, uh, fortunately for me, there are a lot of problems to be solved in the like extended sizing space for clothing and undergarments and swim and big feet and basically the, everything I do to get dressed anyway, like this, the, it's an issue, <laughs> which is why I started the blog. Um, so it's, it's easier for me because I'm, I'm actually bringing solutions to people who who don't actually know what to wear for a, a, a strapless bra or a swimsuit that goes up to a certain size like that that is I think why my sponsored posts tend to resonate more do but do you take in every like I'm sure you're fielding requests from brands all the time how do you look at each one and say yes or no oh well if it makes sense for me okay I guess the example I can give is that like for my dogs, like uh, Nerf contacted us and they were like, we want to like do our new like Frisbee game with your dog. And I obviously they had never seen my dog's page because my dogs don't run, fetch or play. All they do is sleep and snore. So that for me was like a really easy example of this brand doesn't know me. This brand has no like we, we're not aligned at all. This would be a totally nonsensical post. So pass. Yeah, that that makes sense. So they have to be familiar with you. I think so. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And do you think that brands have gotten better about influencer marketing in general or or smarter about it? Yes. Uh, First of all, influencer marketing is so much cheaper than advertising and you're reaching a targeted audience. So when people are like, are influencers worth it? Like I'm like, yeah, they are. Because do you know how much it costs to do an advertisement that reaches similar numbers or to certain to certain influencers, especially because um, people with high engagement like that's like you're actually just you're really getting value there and engaging with um, an influencer that uses the product on the regular is the best way to do it. So, yeah, brands are getting better. They're starting to be like, you know what? This girl would be a fit, not because of her following, but because she actually uses the product. Mm-hmm. And it. I feel like we've also seen the rise of the micro-influencer, quote-unquote. I'm a micro-influencer, aren't I? Or am I too big now? I think you might be at the high end, of, but but I think you might still be in that bracket. Okay, I'll (laughs) stay in that bracket. I like this bracket. Yeah, why do you think that that's been so appealing for brands? Because of engagement. It's just better. Yeah, it's, it's, if you're talking about the, the OG bloggers that have been around and have like 5 million, 2 million followers... They're businesses beyond businesses, and some of them are still pretty authentic, but at that point, like, most of your content is sponsored out because you're making a living, and I respect that. I'm not I'm not saying no to that, but for example, like, this morning I went through, and I just, I was like, oh, you know what? I have not talked about what I'm using in my hair for a while, and I just did, like, a start to finish with, from, like, shampoo to, like, blow dry like what I'm doing with my hair and none of it is sponsored. Not a single person is paying me for it. And I don't know 
that brand that uh, bloggers at that level are able to do that as flexibly. Because like you said, it's basically just your life, but you're showing it. And so yeah. when you get to that level, your life is so intertwined with all these, all totally. these partnerships. Yeah. yeah, it's kind of crazy. Which is awesome for them. Yeah. I'm not like, I. <laughs> that's great. Right. You know? Right. But do you think that there's still, there's going to be almost like a return to like un, unpaid basically? Cause there's always going to be people who kind of, who, as soon as they see that, that sponsor, that disclosure, their eyes like fog over because they're just, that just sort of takes away that magic of why they followed someone in the first place. Yeah. I mean, I do that sometimes where I'm like, ugh, or I'm like, oh, that person's working with this weird. Yeah, and, and even they may have used it and loved it already, but it's just the fact that it's paid that's already. What it. I like is when I see something over and over and over again on someone's feed because then I'm like, that person is like that brand I associate with them, and that I, for some reason that I'm okay with. Yeah, I you think, know. Yeah, because then it then you know that it it's wasn't like just Hannah a- Bromsman and Adidas. Yeah. Like I I don't follow her super closely, but like I am aware that she is an Adidas partner. Right. And that for me is the awareness. I think that that brand is trying to get. And like, for example, like I work with Reebok. So I, I hope that people associate me with Reebok before and after our partnership. We're going to take a quick break for a message from our sponsor, NetSuite. When it comes to the day-to-day of the business, NetSuite lets you see what's going on in real time. NetSuite is the business management solution of choice for a 10-person health and beauty brand to retailers with thousands of employees. With NetSuite, the mission will always be enabling customers for growth no matter what stage. Now back to the episode. Do you think the rules have changed around what makes a, a good partnership? It seems like there's just a lot of value in consistency rather so than rather than saying, "Oh, look at all of these all these people who over time have endorsed us, here's our group of people that, you know, when you see them, you'll associate them with the brand. And that just shows a more meaningful partnership, things like that, that have seemed to just changed as the space has evolved over time, because it's been so new for so long, like brands with no rules. And so brands have, have sort of been figuring it out. Influencers have been figuring along the way. And it seems like there, there has to be some, some learnings that have emerged. What I think a learning that, that should emerge for brands um, would be that they, when a when an, a quote unquote influencer, which is the worst word, I'll just say it out loud. Yeah, it's no such a likes, terrible. No, no one, one likes it. We're stuck it. with it though. Oh, we are. It's horrible. <laughs> I don't think content creator or anything like no, that is any. <laughs> no, it's all the whole thing is so ugh. But um, it it also it doesn't line up with what actually happens in my day to day, which is like I connect with women who tell me that they've changed their idea about their body because of my platform. And that is so empowering. And the word influencer and the word blogger are so associated with like this emptiness. There needs to be a different thing for people who are out there like doing good. I don't know what it is, but maybe a call out to your listeners who can create a new label. But um, one thing I think brands should really consider is listening to someone with a following when they approach you with an idea. It may not be on your marketing agenda, but if you have someone who's passionate, I guess I'm actually speaking from experience i i approached a a vacuum company that i had worked with in the past they have a great um wet vac for cleaning up all my i i you know i have a, a few rescue dogs at home and i foster dogs and we are always cleaning up pee and i was like you know this this is such an awesome machine i use it every day i'd love to do something with you guys and they were like we're not doing anything at the moment but that's the kind of stuff that you should 
embrace are, are people who are not like organically having experiences in their day-to-day life and not having to invent content around it. Right. Right. Yeah. But they weren't open to it. No, they were like, you know, go fuck yourself. Sorry. They're, yeah. They were like, no, we're not working with you right now. But, um, that's, yeah, that's, uh, but they should. Do you think it's because that they don't have the resources to say that? Yeah. But it's not, it's not that. It's because that's not on their marketing calendar at the moment. They're still in this rigid marketing calendar in a non-rigid, like it's, they're trying to operate on a schedule in, in this platform that changes second to second, which I understand, but they, I think there needs to be some flexibility there. Right. It's just the new, the new way. Yeah. And so I'm sure you've worked with brands on the other end who, who do get it and good partnerships come out of it. What are the basically what are the steps in that that are involved is there usually or just like what makes a good brand experience for you what do they have a specific influencer marketing oh, person good, in house yeah, are you good, usually working with agencies a good brand experience is is someone who like gets me is open to like let me create the content i want isn't too demanding isn't going to make me reshoot it five times like there's they're going to let me talk about it on stories. I, I think brands also miss the value in stories. I mean, I have uh, I have over 30,000 like views on my stories. And that's that's high engagement and that's like people are always swiping up. They're always doing that and I think people are really stuck to the feed. If I were a brand, I I I feel like I'd rather have a meaningful story than a single one-off post. Right, cuz it just Cuz you can talk about but it. But I feel like brands are probably like, well, that's going to be gone we would rather live on the feed uh, I don't know I don't agree I, I feel like I get most of my most engaged things in my stories mm-hmm. um and is it Instagram or or bust now is there any other platforms that oh are important God, to you aren't you scared yeah. that it, it will go away <laughs> um wake well, up tomorrow Instagram oh I so I snap my friends like snap is something I use in my personal life um obviously I use Instagram for work um you know, I never had a Facebook account in my entire life until I got divorced and had to start dating. I And I don't mean that I made one and then deleted it. I mean, I never had one. Wow. That is a big deal. Yeah. That's... Thank you. But I, <laughs> but I had to make one, unfortunately, when I had to join like Bumble, you had to have a Facebook account. So I had to make one, which, which really stunk. But my whole point in this buildup is that I don't know how to use Facebook. So I'm not really big on Facebook. And, um, musically is something that children use. And so I use it and that's it. Like I'm not like, I'm not YouTube. I'm, I'm trying for IGTV. What do you mean trying? Like I'm every day. I'm like, I should do that for IGTV and then I don't do it. So it's like that. That's it. That's where I am. Yeah. And is it, do you think that that's big on Venmo? Venmo, love Venmo. Yeah, very big on Venmo. <laughs> the, the next, mm-hmm. yeah, the next social feed. Yeah. Uh, what about Pinterest? I feel like that's one that people kind of slept on for a while. Really or like, bad oh, at it. You're bad at it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm bad at it. Uh, so you go for what what is most natural for you. Uh-huh. Do you think that that's can can influencers get by doing that? Like, what if probably not? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so this isn't your advice necessarily. No, I'm just telling you what realistically what I do. I think at, at, if you're like me and you're easily excitable and you work in a minute to minute, uh, work 
plan. Like, as in, I don't really have a plan. Um, it's really hard to like schedule. And now I know people who are like, I schedule all my pins for Mondays and all my like tweets for Tuesdays. But like, I, I am not doing that. I'm just, but that's, I think why people are drawn to my feed is that I'm not, it's not scheduled. It's not polished. It's not perfect. It's just real. And that I think people need a bit of that in like the face tuning era era yeah yeah Yeah, I think there's definitely been a a sort of full circle like realness feed yeah when I started my feed I had um I had an agent tell me that I just wasn't polished enough to work with big brands and I was like okay okay." yeah Yeah. so I've, I've I've had a lot of feedback um and you really have to pick whose opinion you value Mm -hmm. and to to get back to like the platforms and what works best um do brands ever come and say like we have these these demands like we want this for for youtube this for instagram or and then what do you do oh uh i do it you do it yeah totally but i'm like okay i have like six thousand followers on there that's what you want like so i I let them know where I say, hey, this is where you're going to get the most value. And it's their choice if they're like, we really, really need a tweet. And I'm like, cool. The 200 people who saw it will love it like that. That's that's kind of what I try to do with brands. And where do you think that they're even coming up with these uh, these like rules or or requests? Because they're stuck in a quite often. Some brands are stuck in a format where it's like that marketing schedule and they're like, no, we need this and this, and this is what we do. But you're not looking at the person who you're paying money to and saying, how are we going to get the most out of our partnership? Mm -hmm. So hopefully that sort of come evolves as as they get more. If they want, I, I would say if I were a brand, I would look at you and say, where do you get the most engagement? What time is the best time to post? How can we make this dollar we're giving you stretch the furthest? Right. And how do you think most brands and, and yourself personally look at partnerships as whether or not they were a success? Like, are there very rigid KPIs or is it like, I feel like a big question that brands have is like, how do you quantify it's engagement? Really hard. And I will tell you, so at my line, mega babe, um, we don't do any paid partnership because we can't afford it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so I rely on people like I rely on, you know, friends on the internet that I can send product to. And if they love it, they post about it. Um, sometimes they love it and they don't post about it. <laughs> but, but, um, if there's an, if there's a direct, um, it's really hard. There's not always a direct spike in sales from a post and that is hard to quantify. So I don't know if it's swipe ups. Um, I don't know. I, I don't know if it's, like in a gradual increase of sales of awareness, it's, I don't have a good answer for you, which is not what anyone wants to hear. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. And, and do brands ha- then have their own different set of, of um, measurements that they go by or. Yeah, they try to, but I don't, I don't think you can measure. Like for example, my, uh, my deodorant Rosie Pitts, like you may see it on my feed and you might, you might be like, uh, you made it. I'm not buying it. And then you might see it on someone else's feed and say, and they're like, we love it. And you're like, uh, you're, you're friends. I'm not going to buy it. And then you see it on a third person's feed and you're like, and they're like, I don't even know this person. And I bought this deodorant and I love it. And then I feel like after seeing it a few times, so it's hard to tell, uh, it might take a few times for a brand to resonate with viewers. Right. And, but it was the culmination of all yes. of this combined yes. that led to a sale, maybe 
a week later, exactly. like, and you'll never even be and able to connect it, the dots. So it's just like, you have to kind of take a leap of faith of the brand, as a brand and say, listen, I'm getting in front of these, this versatile audience, these, these couple different places. We have to hit somehow. Yeah. And that can be hard for yeah. brands to do. Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I know when you, everyone's got bosses, they've got to answer to, and I know. Yeah. Um, and so I want to, I want to talk about mega Bay, but in terms of where influencer marketing is right now and where it's headed, do you think that there's, there's, is there an influencer bubble? Is there, where can out, where else can this space go or where do you think it's headed? No one knows. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> um, it, I think everything goes in cycles. And so I think what we might be seeing in the future, and this is based on nothing, um, is that we're all going to grow as individuals for a while. And then I think you'll start to see little groups, um, coming together to form themed, um, themed teams. So So influencer teams. Yeah. Like I think eventually you'll kind of like a network. Like I think that you'll, instead of being just like five, um, medium size influencers or 10 medium size influencers, you might just see everyone jumping into one network that you can sell as a unit. And then everyone knows that they can go to that for that specific content. So you're not going to, I think eventually you won't have to follow 50 different people to get kind of similar content. You'll want to follow one channel to see them in little increments. Interesting. So a group of influencers. I think I just solved the internet. Yeah. We're let's light a business plan right now. Yeah. This. yeah. Well, what about influencer agencies? They kind of have um, oh, networks of influencers. Man, they do. But uh, the influencer agency world is very. Oh, I'm so controversial today. Um, you've got you got like the pro group that's been there, and they kind of have like the first to market, only to market. Uh, benefit and they know that and so they don't necessarily have to really be that innovative um and then you've got the the agencies that just try to sign up as many influencers as possible and like mcdonald's comes to them and they're like we need this money views and they can offer you two hundred dollars and there so there's that so there's kind of there's like this factory setting and then there's also this um this big group that is not really innovating and someone will rise. I don't know who it is, but someone will come up that is going to be clever and uh, think of a new way to do this. Yeah. And to do influencer agencies, because right now it seems like they, they say that they can match your brand to the best person. Is that what they're doing? I don't think so. Yeah. I mean, to be really transparent, I don't think so. I think that they, it's a financial transaction and I, at the end of the day, it is a financial transaction, but I would prefer someone like my manager who is, and I'm speaking specifically for like Instagram deals. I'm not talking about like other things like TV. It's a whole different world. But for Instagram deals, I like that my manager is thoughtful and is like, this doesn't seem on brand for you. And this, this, this could be a really good thing. And your list, your readers really love this. And I, I feel like they are always coming up with, new oh, by the way her name is Danielle from Community I should probably say it so I'm not like this person <laughs> um but uh just thoughtful yeah. and not like being so harsh with brands too what do you mean harsh 
I mean, there's also like a coldness to the interactions with um, like a big agency and a brand. Like they're they the gatekeeper. Like, yeah. Like they're like, it's $100,000 or no. No. Okay. Bye. Yeah. Like it's like that. It's not like, hey, she really likes you. Like, let's make this let's work. Like something else. I don't know. There's just there has to be a little bit of um, human interaction mm-hmm. that is lacking in that kind of environment. Which seems extra dangerous because this entire industry is based on the the humanity of of what where advertising is going and 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 also what you said about how it's cheaper than traditional advertising but I feel like we've also seen this like we kind of hit the ceiling of you know the numbers we're getting out there of these like mega influencers and how much they were charging crazy amounts do you think it's kind of righted itself since then like in terms of what an Instagram post should cost a brand I think well I think to that point that this is the new way to advertise in a way like you should have money in your budget to do this and you should have money in your budget to do it in a real way. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's worth there, but it seems like there has to be like sort of like a, I don't know where the, where are the rules going to come from? Yeah. Oh, I don't know. There's no rules. There's, there, no, rules but there's no rules. But what I, what I would, what I like, um, is that you work with an influencer who is going to rep your brand for like a, I think where we're seeing more is long-term contracts. That's mm-hmm. what I'm trying to say. Yeah. No, which, yeah. which seems better for your dollar than just paying a ton of money for yes. one post. Yeah. Is like lifesavers promoting a new flavor. I don't even know this. Also, I would work with lifesavers. I'm just <laughs> saying they're coming in doing like a one-off post on someone's thing. No one is paying attention to that. It makes no sense. Right. So I think brands are getting a little smarter about it, but I it's, hope so. it's slow moving. Yeah, it seems. I know. And I'm not like, I'm not like, um, I'm not, uh, trying to be negative about, about the way that the business is done. It's just like, I've f- between myself and between the dogs, like I've just watched, I've seen it from so many angles. And mm-hmm. now with my brand, like I've just, I've seen all the angles and I can kind of poke holes in in what's happening right right? yeah which which is why you're here yeah (laughs) (laughs) so so then that leads us to the um idea of now influencers are becoming their own brands you have mega babe and so that was your line where did that start from started from where i think a lot of brands uh start from which is filling a need that is not in the market um, it started with my thigh chafe stick last summer because I was tired of using um, a men's solution in a really uncute bottle um, that made me feel really ashamed. With Gold Bond, we'll say the name. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I and I was just like, why am I using this men's stick? And then I went on, I went to the internet and I was like, what else is out there? And it was just like athlete, like are you running a marathon? Or it was like, do you have a monkey butt? what (laughs) that's just like it's not I and I don't mean it's disgusting because the topic's disgusting it's just like I don't need to be cheesy or cheeky or say things like I don't know I just I don't I don't need all that like I want to be cute so that's that was what I wanted I just wanted to make something that worked that made women comfortable going from their apartment to their office in a skirt in the summer where they didn't have to chafe and then and so then yeah, it started oh, so, started with that product. Yeah, so then, then I was like, well, as long as I am investing in this and I'm doing this, like, let's make something else. What else? What other problems do you have, Katie? Yeah, and <laughs> I was like, well, I'm a sweaty beast, so <laughs> I made bust dust, and um, I wanted something that was different because I don't think it's worth it to bring something to market that is um, the same as everything else. So I wanted a non aerosol delivery system for powder to my body. 
where I didn't have to touch it and I didn't have to like get it all over my hands. I could just pump it on my skin. So we have um, bust dust powder pump and I, I spray that in my underwear. I spray it on my head. I spray this. It's talc free so you can feel fine doing it, but I spray it everywhere in New York in the summer. Um, and then we launched a deodorant this year as like a total test because I've been trying all the brands. I don't know how much I can say, but like the uh, two of the brands that are very big out there right now in the natural space gave me really bad rashes because of the baking soda and, and, and deodorants are totally, it's a subjective experience. So like your body chemistry might just not vibe with a diff- with a certain deodorant. And, and so I had been trying deodorants for a really long time and didn't find anything. It, this product is not based on any deodorant because I, none of them worked for me. This is baking soda free, aluminum free, paraben free, and it smells like heaven. So that was something that I wanted to see how we did. And we made, you know, we, we did like a smaller run, you know, not, not a giant run, but, um, not a tiny run, a medium run, let's say that. Um, and I was like, will anyone buy this deodorant from us? Why would they? And we sold out. Oh my God. We'll cut to that. Now every, we've got a 10, over 10,000 people on a wait list for this deodorant, which is insane. Cause it just launched earlier this year, right? Yeah. You're just just coming off of that first run. Yeah. It launched in June. We sold out and we've been out of stock for most of the summer, which is devastating. It's also just annoying because people are like, get back in stock. But that, these are the growing pains of starting a company, right? You, you, your lead times are long. You have less control with your manufacturer. It's it's hard. So uh, we are getting it back in stock later in the month. So what what did you learn from working with with brands about how to start your own brand? What was most important to you? I think um, one to be authentic. Two, this is something small, but I, I when we do send outs to uh, quote unquote influencers or or friends from the internet, um, I don't like do a big package. I don't do I, one. We can't afford to do that. But two, if we had money to do that, it's the last place I'd put it because that packaging is becoming a big thing. And I think addressing, speaking to your audience, like your friend. And that is the, the whole brand through mega babe is just me. It's like me talking to you about a problem that you're having and trying to make you more comfortable and feel cute about it rather than ashamed about it. So so it's, it, it just sounds so, so simple. So what's, yeah. <laughs> what's hard? <laughs> well, I think that the thing about, um, founder brands, which is what you're finding right now in this like Instagram world, um, and why they're so popular is because you have a voice behind there who can, who can address the people in with that targeted message. Right. So, so you have this targeted message, you have your audience and, when you before you were started to have a style, what what did you what had you had experience in, in marketing or on the brand? Yeah, side at all? before I started Twelve Ish Style and Toast, I was doing public relations, so I was learning how to grow a brand from um, from that angle. And being in public relations at that time was very different because you didn't have like it wasn't like influencer marketing or bust. You could sell you could sell a ton from like a print uh, a, a print story or. Um, like an online feature. And then that's really fun because you can watch the direct clicks to your website, your traffic goes up. Um, but now it's like, it's just much more complicated. You don't see the impact necessarily from like a single story the way that you used to. So growing a brand then versus growing a brand now is completely different. Right. And it's, I think it goes back to this entire theme that it's still the wild west feels. Yeah. And so going Going forward, where do you see the potential for for Can Mega I make Bay? a note? Yes. 
I was going to say that um, when like online magazines started, it was the Wild West too. Like it just, it's, it's interesting that what feels so standard and traditional now was like, it was like, well, who, well, what do we care about that? Like, what do we care about their dot com? Like, it's just interesting the way that it evolves and that eventually while you're in it, it feels like the Wild West, but then eventually it just won't be. It'll just be standard. Yeah. So, so you think that's where influencer marketing is headed? I think so. Yeah. Eventually. I don't think it's going away. Yeah. And, and eventually it'll just feel normal. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's just interesting to see like where, where will the standardization come from? I don't know. Yeah. I think that's, yeah. the, I think that's the last yeah. question. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Uh, but, but as you're, so with, with mega babe, as you're heading toward this like next phase of, of getting back in stock and growing the brand, um, where, do you see like potential to, is, is your goal, what are your goals for the brand? Where do you want to, where do you want to build it to alongside, um, everything else that you've built? Well, what's interesting about mega babe is that we're actually in kind of a white space, which means that there's, we don't have that much competition in the space, which is also interesting because the beauty industry makes 10 billion solutions for, um, you know, under eye circles and so many problems that are perceived, uh, by women, but nothing out there to just make you comfortable during your day-to-day life. And I think that's what mega babe will continue to address, will be your go-to. I, I don't, I don't ever want to make a face cream. You don't need my face cream. Like people can make face cream better than I can make face cream. Right. So I want to solve problems for women and I don't want you to be chafing. I don't want you to have boob sweat. I don't want you to have BO. Like I, I want to make you comfortable. And I think that, that our product lineup will continue to do that and to address issues that are ignored by the beauty industry. Mm-hmm. So it'll stay on that mission. Yes. And even I, we, we launched a feminine wipe this, this um, summer too. And what's interesting about the feminine wipe are people are like, I, you know, I, my body f- is fine. Like the way it is. And I'm like, no, no, I know your body's fine the way it is. It's just that like, this is a wipe that you can use in a porta potty or when you have like ice cream on your hands it's like, it's just an all purpose wipe that happens to be safe for going through the bathroom too. Right. So it's, these are like little things that, um, that I'm just trying to get at people from a convenience and solution Mm -hmm. point of view. Yeah. Smart. Yeah. Uh, great. Well, we're almost out of time, but before I let you go, what do you think, um, having been in the space for, for a while now, what do you think is the biggest misconception about, about influencers and the work that they do, particularly with brands? Well, I think, I mean, people, I really hate when people hate on other people for doing sponsored posts because how do you think they're, they have time to do all this stuff, right? Like they need to make money. So whether it's a, whether it's like a car sponsorship or whatever, like get it girl. Like I don't care because I know that like you actually cannot do this while working full time. So it's a full time job. It is a full time job. Unless you're like a true psycho who doesn't sleep and like <laughs> yeah. is just going to dedicate your entire life outside of your office. But I think it, it pulls you in too many directions. Mm-hmm. It is a full-time job. Right. And now you have this other full-time job. Yeah, I have three full-time <laughs> jobs. Yeah. Well, yeah. yeah. But I like, yeah, I don't, I am a psycho. So that's <laughs> fine. You know? Great. Well, thank you so much for coming on, Katie. I really enjoyed it. Thank you so much. And thank you for listening. This week, we'll be rolling out special early access to upcoming podcast episodes for Glossy Plus members. So on Wednesday, August 29th, members will have access to the next new episode featuring Four Days founder Christy Kaler almost a week before it goes live to the public next Tuesday, September 4th. Still not a Glossy Plus member? 
Use the code podcast at glossy.co slash plus to get 20% off an annual subscription and enjoy the episodes a week before everyone else. As always, a special thanks to Gianna Cappadona, the producer of this podcast, and be sure to subscribe on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and Anchor FM and leave us any feedback you have. Thank you.